In a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes cost much more than dollars, we bring you expertise from around the world to ensure that everyone goes home safe every day. The internationally acclaimed Oil & Gas HSE podcast starts now with your host, Russell Stewart. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the OGGN HSE podcast sponsored by Anderson Hauser, a global leader in process automation and measurement instrumentation. Anderson Hauser, the people for process automation. Tell them thank you for sponsoring the show by going to our website, which is cx.endris.com forward slash HSE dash podcast and register for our monthly giveaway. And for those of you who don't have photographic memories, we'll post that link in the show notes. We want to, again, not only thank our sponsor, but we want to thank all of you who listen. This podcast is actually being recorded toward the end of July. So you'll probably be listening to it in August, but in the month of June, we had the highest number of downloads so far this year. So we really appreciate you listening. We're listening to in over 100 countries, the top countries being of course the USA, but then the UAE, Iraq, Thailand, UK, Canada. And then there's one country here. I can't even pronounce the name, Azerbaijan, if somebody's listening from that country, I apologize. I really do for, for butchering the name of your country. If you'll contact me via LinkedIn, I'll make sure that I correct that. And then also Japan is one of the top countries that were listened in. And again, with the USA obviously being number one, that actually brings in another country, which is the state of Texas. So today I'm very happy to have on our show, Melissa Finley who's the HSE rep for Birch Resources. And Melissa, you're located in Midland. Is that correct? Yes, I am. Well, thanks for coming on the show. So you're in that West Texas Permian Basin area, which is is another, for those who've never been there, it is another country in itself, right? Yes, right? Absolutely. And some refer it affectionately as the Thunderdome. Yeah, we're, we've got a lot going on over here. Well, there's there's no question about that. Are you originally from that area? Well, I'm originally from Central Texas, outside of Kerrville, and my family moved here in the in the late '80s. So I've been here long enough, I should say yes. That you can be part of the Midland Mafia. Absolutely. But we won't talk about that. Absolutely not. <laughs> now you know the funny part is for those listening in all these these other countries when you talk about Kerrville. You're talking about the Texas Hill Country, which is one of the, how do I say, one of the prettiest areas in the state of Texas. The irony being that, well, I've heard some vulgar ways of expressing it, and I don't think we'll do that on this podcast, but let's just say Midland's not the garden spot of the state of Texas or anywhere else. It's not the prettiest, but thankfully, we're blessed enough to be able to make a living. Boy, that's for sure. <laughs> what it loses there is made up for in, in the resources that are there. That's for sure. Now, I've never heard of Birch Resources. Tell me about Birch Resources. They've been around a long time? No. Birch Resources was organized in 2018, and we're a privately held exploration and production company based here in the Permian Basin. We have our corporate offices in Houston, Texas, and I operate out of the Midland, Texas field office, which is where we have most of our leases are at in and around the surrounding area here out of Midland. So you're the field HSE rep there in Midland. Are you the only one, Melissa? 
Currently, I am the only one. We have a new person coming on to the team, I believe, in the next couple of weeks. So pretty excited for that. Yeah, because I bet you're burning up a lot of miles on all those wonderfully paved and smoothed lease roads. Oh, absolutely. I mean, those lease roads are just wonderful. (laughs) No potholes, none. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So, So, Melissa, how did you get into this field? Well, I originally, like out of high school and what have you, I was in the medical field in emergency medicine and that sort of thing. And as I went on living in the Permian Basin, living in West Texas, you know, you know, everybody in the oil and gas industry, you family members or what have you, everybody's in, in it or is touched by the oil and gas industry on some level. And my brother actually what had an incident on location to where the tubing stream blew out of the hole. He was not on tower yet. And, you know, everybody was exiting location quickly and a piece of tubing went through his forearm and knocked him out. And it really, you know, it jarred something in me. And it was like, you know, how can I help? Like, what can I do to, you know, maybe prevent someone else from not having, you know, this experience? So my brother had talked to me about, you know, why don't you get into safety in oil and gas? And it was something I hadn't thought of previously. And so, but he and a lot of other people told me, don't be a regular safety person. Know what you're talking about, not just out of a book. So that made me go into like the service side whenever I first started in oil and gas. And I was blessed with some really great mentors. I was able to learn about drilling and completions and construction, production and workover, which just really set the tone for my career in this. Now, you know, that's interesting, your choice of words. You didn't want to be just a regular safety person. <laughs> that's, I like that. I actually interviewed a guy. He was on the show, and I think we talked about this on, on the podcast, but he's got decades of experience in the safety industry. He was called in to be a consultant for a company, and they were having a terrible time with their you know, safety program and all that sort of thing. And and so he said, well, who's your, who's your safety director? And the guy told him who it was, you know? And so he said, well, let me talk to that person. So he started, started talking to this person, asking questions about their safety program and, and, you know, well, you know, what, what's it look like out there? Yada, yada, yada. And, and, and come to find out this person had never been out in the field. They had never been to a rig ever. Right. Right. <laughs> and and for, that happened. That's unfortunate, but that's probably for those of you in the HSE business. And as I always say, we're all in the HSE business because, you know, if you're the CEO or you're the drilling engineer or you're the, the CFO or, or whatever you are, we all should be concerned about what we talk about in the intro to this show, everybody coming home safe. So we're all in the HSE. And if you want to have an effective HSE program, People have got to, well, I liked your term there, just not be regular safety guys. If what that means is, is everything's coming out of the office and everything's coming out of theory and everything's coming out of a book, you got to be out there. And in the first place, you're going to have a hard time actually selling, for lack of a better term, selling your safety program if the people don't think, you know, that you can put yourself in their shoes. Well, and it's about buy-in. Right. So it's the, in my opinion, you know, it's the human connection. 
right? I mean, folks will tell you all day long, you know, that it doesn't work like it does in the book. The book is great and it's awesome, but you have to look at all the other contributing factors. And that not only applies to safety, it applies to the job scope, it applies to job planning, like across across the board. And I I really felt passionate about you know, getting out, talking, understanding, understand the processes of what's being done and why on face value, I may see something that that maybe I don't understand. I don't understand why we're doing it this way because it looks scary to me or it looks dangerous to me or or what have you. But then after you have those conversations, then you begin to understand, okay, we've mitigated this hazard this way. And it's just good conversations help, in my opinion, with, with buy-in. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, Melissa, you and I communicated a little bit before we started this, this podcast recording, but you believe that to really get this buy-in, you really need to pay attention to having it from the very beginning with your new hire orientation. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. I think that's key. On new hire orientations, this is where you're setting the precedence. You're setting the precedence for your expectations on how you want your employees to behave, how, you know, what you expect of them, how you expect them to interact with contractors. And, you know, this is our safety culture and getting that buy-in off the gate. And it, it kind of shows in a way of you got to be this tall to ride the ride. These are our expectations. This is what we need from you. And the beautiful part of that is not only does that affect, you know, new green hard hats, never been in the industry before, it gives them an idea and an understanding of, of those expectations around safety, but also experience people that you get in. They may come from a previous company that maybe doesn't have the exact expectations that you do. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. So go ahead and talk about that. Well, I mean, whenever you get, you know, experienced hands, you really... What's exciting about them is their mentor capability, right? Is this someone that has mentored in their previous companies and what have you? But what I've noticed is if you put a new person with somebody that really believes and has buy-in to the safety and wants to do it well and wants to do it right, you know, that new person adopts that attitude. But if you get the other type of person that it's like, hey, I've been doing this for so long, you know, if we just do this, this and this, we get to the same thing and what have you. Unfortunately, that person adopts their attitude as well. So with this onboarding and really, really focused on, on the safety culture, you say, hey, this is where we're at. This is where we need you to be and just have a good, healthy respect for your safety culture and well, one of the things that I think, as we talk about all the time on, on this particular podcast, it's just, I guess, it's actually a part of our defense mechanisms so that we don't go insane because there is so much danger out there. If, if, if we were so focused on it, you know, all the time, we'd, we'd probably be, you know, paranoid or whatever. But as a result, what happens is we tend to go to the opposite extreme and, and that is, oh, it can never happen to me. So, you know, when you can relate to them experiences like you talked about with your brother and get them to see, yeah, it could happen to you. That's a perspective that you've that you've got to get them to see in order to get that buy in. 
No, absolutely. And the buy-in is so important and the backing from all levels within your corporation. Because if safety is the only people out there pushing and promoting safety and it doesn't come from management and their mentors and their leadership teams as well, it falls flat. So oh, that, that goes right back to what I said. You know, this podcast isn't just for HSE representatives, you know, HSE is for everybody and, and you're exactly right. And so there's got to be You've got to create the buy-in, not only in the field, but the buy-in's got to come from within the corporation, which segues us into another topic that we talked about off-air. And it's this, well, this is actually a, you know, almost a bad word or a bad phrase, but let's talk about stop work authority. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I find it interesting, you know, I think collectively all companies, you know, say you have stop work authority. And the tackle in my mind or in my experience of, of what I've noticed is people are still very, very timid out in the field to utilize top stop work authority. Because I think like whenever I do a stop work authority training, I work really hard to express that stop work authority doesn't mean we've stopped the job for hours, days, weeks. Months. I mean, it's it's not that. Typically, it's just bringing additional information into the scenario, right? So it's saying, you know, hey, but we're going to put a pump here. And then they, oh, okay, so let's, let's, you know, reevaluate how we're going to do this process. And just removing that, the stigma from the field level of, well, I can't say anything, or they're not part of my company, or, you know, I mean, if you're in a SIMOPS, scenario and there's something that's hazardous, whether it's your company or not, you know, get with a lead, have those conversations and know that you have support from your leadership team and that you're encouraged to do that without repercussions. Well, exactly. And use the word conversations because the truth of the matter is I've seen some actually what what I would call unsuccessful safety programs, even if they had a fair, maybe even a good track record, just looking at it on paper. I saw a company the other day and I wish I could remember who it was so I could give them credit for it, but I'm tempted to take credit for it myself. But their, their motto is safe by choice, not chance. That's on my email. Is that on your, is that, are you the one? Okay. All right. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. That's great. And the way you do that is not this, oh, we're expecting you to send in an anonymous report, you know, saying, hey, I saw this or so-and-so is doing this. And that is just the wrong way to go about it. You have to have conversations. You have to have communication. You know, communication, I saw, I get, speaking of the different countries that there are in the United States, you know, Cajun country over in Louisiana is, you know, another country in the United States. So I get these, there's a popular restaurant right in the heart of that they send out their menu every day and they have what's called a Boudreaux and, and Thibodeau joke of the day, always in their email. One the other day was, uh, you know, it was uh, Reverend Boudreaux and Reverend Thibodeau and they were standing out on the side of the road just before a big curve. And they had both had these signs up that says the end is near. So this little smart aleck guy in a hot rod comes driving by and he kind of 
says something derogatory toward them, you know, you bunch of religious nuts and all that kind of stuff, you know, and he screams on around the curve. And all of a sudden you hear this terrible crash and splash. And Boudreaux looks at Thibodeau and says, you think we ought to just change our sign to say the bridge out is up, the bridge is out up ahead. I love that. That's awesome. Communication, you know, I mean, you know, and your perspective, that's very important. And then a third thing, as far as, as safety goes, you have to understand the environment that you're in. You know, for example, in Texas, because of the vastness of the state and that sort of thing, highway safety is a big deal, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, like in Texas, to drive across Texas, it takes you anywhere to 10 to 13 hours, right? So that kind of puts it in into perspective a bit. So a lot of our operators and our contractors daily, they may drive one to three hours to get to location. And that's even before they start working. So drive time is, it's, I mean, it's a big deal. I mean, it's a big deal. Like if they're getting up at 4 a.m. to be on location by seven, and then they get done at five, you know, they're not getting home till eight. It's something, and then, and then road conditions as well. You know, I mean, with a lot of oil and gas, you may have oil on the road, you can have, you know, different conditions. And, you know, one of our, I said earlier, we, we affectionately refer to it as Thunderdome sometimes is the traffic and it's just the oil and gas traffic. So it's, you know, heavy equipment, oversized loads, 18 wheelers, pump trucks, vacuum trucks, haul trucks. And it's, I mean, it has to be paid attention to. So I know our company, like a lot of other companies, not only do we do a a standard safe driving course, but we also do Smith driving as well. So, you know, so that we can take a full day with each employee and really just hammer down on how to be as safe as possible on these roads. That's great. And I'm glad, Melissa, that you're passionate about all this. So tell us about a day in the life of Melissa Finley at Birch Resources. Wow. Okay. So a day in the life, I, I come to the office, you know, in the morning time, get with our operations team and see if there's any high level operations for the day. You know, I mean, are we starting new wells? Are we, you know, transferring equipment, you know, whatever we may be doing and identify some hot topics. And then I I go out to the field and I support and watch and help and converse and review their JSAs or, or permit situations and, you know, just give them, you know, give them that support. And then Also, just check in with our lease operators and our our contractors. You know, how's it going? How can we support you? Is there is there any more we can we can do? I mean, here we work really hard to and it may sound a little corny to safety and operations are, are not two different departments. We want to operate safely. So. We merge. That's a great. It. That's a great line. That's a great. That, that's not corny. That's a great yeah. line. Yeah, and it just it just whenever I'm blessed to work with some really great people that also have that mindset of you know we're gonna do it right. We're gonna operate safely. We're not gonna get in a rush. You know, we still have some funny stuff. You know, I mean that happens on the daily that you have to train a little extra on. I mean, here in West Texas, we have lots of rattlesnakes and tarantulas and all of this stuff and folks that are not 
from around here, transplants that come here to work, sometimes you have to train them to not chase down the rattlesnake or the tarantula and capture it so that they can take it back home to wherever. Well, I don't know about tarantulas, (laughs) Melissa, but you catch the rattlesnake so you can eat it. No, absolutely, but not on location. (laughs) That's that's your day off rattlesnake roundup part-time job on the weekends. That's not on location. (laughs) And for those of you listening in other countries, yes, they really do have rattlesnake roundups in West Texas. Yes, we do. Just curious. And I think maybe everybody else listening would be curious too, Melissa, but what is the policy on rattlesnakes? So we don't chase it down. We leave it alone. And if necessary, what do you, if necessary, remove you it. Terminate it. You, 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 you terminate, terminate it. You terminate it with extreme prejudice. It, with extreme prejudice. And I'll tell you one time. And, and a, very carefully. Very carefully. One time, I got to tell you several years back, I was giving, we were having a tailgate safety meeting And I'm standing there being very professional. And one of my guys just walks away. And I'm thinking, where the heck is he going? And he leaves and he got something out of his truck. I don't even know what it was at the time. And he walks behind me and he just puts this shovel down real hard. And and I look at him and there was a baby rattlesnake right behind my foot. And I've got to tell you, I was very, very happy that he terminated it with extreme prejudice. (laughs) I was very happy about that. We're still friends, by the way. (laughs) I bet bet you are. Melissa, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I think you brought out some, some points that makes it worth the price of admission to the podcast here. So I want to thank you again for taking out a little bit of time in the day in the life of Melissa Finley to come on this podcast. As always, want to thank everyone for listening. Tune in again next week for another episode of Anderson Hauser's Oil and Gas HSE podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Anderson Hauser is your reliable U.S. and international-based partner for measurement, instrumentation, services, and solutions. We are your people for process automation. As mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, discover more about Anderson Hauser at our website and register for the monthly podcast giveaway there. You can find that in the show notes. Also, you can find in the show notes how to follow us on LinkedIn and also on Twitter. And you can find all this in the show notes along with, we'll put Melissa's LinkedIn URL in there and you can contact her if you'd like to visit with with her more. Please leave us a review on iTunes and tell your friends about us. Now here's Savannah. See you next time. Hey everybody, it's Savannah from OGGN and here are the events on deck for August 2021. This month we have five events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our events newsletter. We send it out every month, and it includes more info about the events I talk about here. We even include events that occur two months ahead of time, so if you're interested in always staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. This month, OGGN will be hosting our monthly happy hour at the Cannon in Houston, Texas on August 26th. Our July happy hour was a hit, so if you weren't there for the last one, we hope to see you there this month. At this event, you'll be able to meet some of OGGN's hosts, network with other oil and gas industry professionals, all while enjoying great food and drinks. Other than OGGN's events, we have three in-person events and one hybrid in-person and online event. First up, we have our three in-person events. The first being OTC, or the Offshore Technology Conference, at NRG Stadium in Houston, Texas, from August 16th to the 19th. Next, we have the IPAA Leaders in Industry Luncheon at the Petroleum Club of Houston on August 17th. 
And lastly, we have the 2021 Connected Plant Conference at the Renaissance Hotel in Austin, Texas from August 30th to September 2nd. Other than our three in-person events, we have our hybrid event, which is NAEP, or the North American Prospect Expo. Now this summit is a hybrid event because it's both online and in-person. The in-person portion of the event will be from August 18th to the 20th at the George R. Brown Convention Center, while the online portion of the event is from August 9th to September 3rd. If you have any questions about these events or any podcasts within the Oil & Gas Global Network, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. That's all for August. I hope you guys have a great month, and thanks for tuning in. Tune in next week for another engaging episode of the Oil & Gas HSE podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.